Welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you ready, Mr. Cuny? I'm ready, Mr. Cuthbert. Well, then let's go! Woo-hoo-hoo! Yeah, baby! It's your Wednesday Night Live Thursday show right here in the Sports Honchos. Go Sports Radio Media Company and all that other great stuff. Your truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the board here on Long Island in the great state of New York. It's time to bring on your favorite honcho of mine, Mr. Robert Cuny from the great state of Maryland. Greetings and sound. Salutations. Not only do I still have my dreamy new equipment, but now, for your listening pleasure, or should I say your listening annoyance, I have buttons that make sounds. Ladies and gentlemen, I will not be responsible for the quality of uh, the Sports Hanzo shows going forward here now that Mr. Cuny has his own master board. I do, and pretty soon I can add my own sound effects. Just so please just promise me no gurgling sounds. No gurgling? No How about gurgling. a nice harp? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus this is great. Everybody, we're going to spend the next two hours just, you know, playing sounds. And the best thing is, it's not just one sound at a time. Oh, so no. you can have <laughs> laughter with some crickets and a little rim shot action. It's fantastic. I know, I'm. I would say I'm done now, but you know I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's that's not going to happen. I believe there's a way I can connect my roadcaster to your pro- roadcaster, and and I can hit the explode button. Hopefully, you know. You know, don't cross <laughs> don't cross the roadcaster streams, my friend. You know oh. what, what that? You know what happens when you do that? Yes. But I'd like to. Be only, if only we had Harold Ramis here to explain to us what happens when you cross the streams. Oh, poor old Harold, man. No longer signing autographs. Did you see the the latest version with Paul I did. Uh, I didn't and see it yet. No spoilers, but I, I'm I not going to spoil. It was enjoyable. Just saying, as somebody who saw it several times growing up, and then several times later, and and introduced it to my kids and such, it was really good. A lot of nostalgia. But I think if you have no familiarity with the first one, I mean, it's hard to find people that don't know about the movie. But if you haven't seen it and didn't really grow up with it like you and I did. Now, maybe some of that gets lost in the movies. So you should watch okay. the first one before you yes. watch the most recent one. Right. I mean, you could enjoy the movie never having seen any other Ghostbusters movie, but I think it heightens the enjoyment if you've seen the first one. And if for fans of the first one, this is it, they do a nice job of stepping into nostalgia without you know wading too far into that pool. Very good, very good. Uh, quick apologies to those who uh, tried to tune in and listen to us live last night. We weren't on live last night, but we are now on live tonight. So everybody who's listening live now, please call your friends who were listening on Wednesday and tell right. them we're on live now. It's, it's Thursday. It's not Wednesday. You're not stuck in a time warp. Don't worry. Not yet anyway. Yes. All right. Hey, look, Um, it is Thursday, January 20th. Uh, this is our second show of 2022. And uh, 
We've got one more show left. This is episode 49, ladies and gentlemen. So I've been repeatedly saying I didn't think we were going to make it to 50. We're, we're, we're almost there. Almost. We'll see what happens. But before we move on to the showgram here this evening, yes. um, and we're talking about movies, I got a, a couple cool questions for you. All right, shoot. Because right. um, we're both pretty much TV movie kind of guys and all that stuff. In fact, old guys like us living in this this age of Netflix and Amazon and Disney Plus and, you know, Paramount. It's incredible, you know, as far as, you know, uh, watching so many different things and so many different genres that we love and on big, giant HD screen TVs and surround sounds at our homes and our man caves and all that other stuff. Um, it's enjoyable. So I want to ask you, well, let's let's talk about Boba Fett here. Have you been watching it? You know, I have not. I have heard pretty bad things about it. Well, I've just heard that in general, the show is sort of a meh minus. I mean, it's on the list to watch because I'm a Star Wars nut job, so I'll watch it. But there's other stuff on the list that I've been watching ahead of that. It's It's been tough. I didn't watch this week's episode yet. It's been a little hard. Now, if, if we all know John Favreau, who directed The Mandalorian. Um, Which he did a great job on that show. Outstanding. Yes, but the, if we all know that The Mandalorian, to me personally, started off very slow, too. Right. And episode it six, did. I still want my life back watching that episode, the first Bill Burr uh, episode. But he did redeem himself later on in, in the second, uh, yes. in, at the end of the season. Um, but anyway, um, so all right, so that's Boba Fett. I think you're pretty much dead on. You got to watch it for yourself. Some, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I think John Favreau, if I know him, Right. It's one of those things where you're going to have to keep tuning in because even some of the notes on yesterday's show, the new one, it's like they if you're a big Star Wars fan, some more cool stuff in there. So, All right. you got to keep watching. All right. Um I don't we've talked about are you a Witcher fan? I haven't watched it. I know of it. So I'm not a fan nor are am you I a Game of Thrones fan. Oh, of course. Yeah, All right. So the then I'm going to say something here. You need to watch The Witcher. Because I'm watching, I got one right. more episode left of the second season, right? This is it. They've, they've made first season, this is the second season, okay? Right. And I'm here to tell you and all you, my fellow GOT fans, okay? I'm about ready to say that The Witcher is better than Game of Thrones. What? Yeah. How uh, dare you, sir? This season has been nothing short of just fucking spectacular. And I got wow. one one episode left, and I'm, 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 now I'm, if I get that way when... You're watching a season of something, and you know you're at the end of it, and it's going so well. Mm-hmm. And now you know that there's only one more episode left. And then what do you do? That's how it was. So it was the Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, it was, it was terrible. I mean, it was yeah. terrible when I, every episode I'm like, well, "This was great TV," and now I'm one step closer to the edge of the cliff. Yeah. So I have been um, watching. I'm bouncing back and forth between two shows. Um, the Expanse on Amazon, which is just amazing. Science really? fiction. Yeah, love it. And on Paramount Plus, which of all the streaming services, just awful. Um, I don't mean the content. I mean the way they deliver it. But The Mayor of Kingstown with Jeremy Renner. Really? I watched like the first part of it. I'll, it is good, right? Yeah, spectacular. I'm, I'm only through episode six. All right. I'm I only recommended through... it. I'm, I'm just so I just well, I'm going to let you speak. But okay. I want you to know I'm 40 minutes into the first episode. Oh, well, I'm not going to spoil stop. anything. No, I know. So go on because I, I, it looks amazing. Yeah, I, I recommended it um, to Grace, and I think she whipped through the entire 10-episode season in, like, one day. Wow. <laughs> she was that, that um, you know, entranced by it. So it's it's really good. And Jeremy Renner's great. Um, I love him. 
I have yet to watch Hawkeye yet. Like, oh, I have watched Hawkeye. And that was good, right? You watched Hawkeye, yeah. Um, Hawkeye was good. Um, the preview for Moon Knight with Oscar Isaac looks good. What? Um, I don't and, remember and now, Moon now Knight. It's, it's Who's Steve? Moon Knight? See, I, I read the com. I don't remember Moon Knight. Marvel is now getting into an area which is beyond, well, which is sort of after I stopped. Like there was, I was huge, hugely devoted to comics for a long time, and then sometime in college, um, I remember there was yet another Batman series that came out, and I was kind of into that, and then I just sort of stopped. So there's a point where like Moon Knight um, and the Eternals, and some of those other. Um, did movie. you watch the Eternals, the new movie? I did. I, I, I didn't haven't know seen it. Was any good? It. Yeah, it was okay. okay. I mean, good cast. Um, but Moon Knight. I mean, I don't know anything about it, but I like Oscar Isaac, and he looks good in this. So and the I, show yeah. looks good. Now, of course, it's steeped in tragedy because apparently one of the stars of it um, died in a skiing accident like a couple mm-hmm. days. Ago. So I don't know. I don't know what his character is or what part he is in the show, but you know. I don't know. I mean, I assume they have the first season in the can already, but going forward, I don't know what his character, if he survives the first season, I don't know. But it's just sad that before the show even launches in March, they've already got this um, to deal with. So that's where I am TV-wise. All right. But Witcher, okay. uh, you know, I've heard good things about it. Oh, and, dude. Oh. You know, it's, there's just the, – the, what's the there's – a, there's a phrase in entertainment. Um, oh, yes. It's too mucking fudge. All the stuff that's available. I mean, yes, I'd love I agree to be you. able to watch everything, but there's just, you know, it's it's a lot, and so you have to sort of pick and choose. I mean, I have a whole list that I keep in the drawer of the at the coffee table in the family room of things I want to watch because who knows if I'll get to them all. I mean, look, you and I are old enough to remember that you know before cable it was you know three networks and then four. You'd watch. You'd have you know. September to May, you'd have the first run of your shows, and then whatever you missed, you had the summer to catch up. <laughs> and that was it. You know, I was like, oh, it was not too much overload. You had your sports, and then if you watched series TV, you know, you had the summertime to catch up on the ones you missed. But now, you know, epi- you know, TV shows drop all at once. I like that Marvel releases each uh, and, and Amazon. They release their own, I guess Disney Plus and Amazon release like one episode at a time as opposed to just dropping everything on you at once, which means people run through the shows and then promptly spoil it on social media. Um, well, speaking that's of which, a way of life now. I mean, there's nothing you yeah. can do about it. I mean, all of us, does, I mean, look, there's all of us who do love the fact that you can blow through a series. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, the Disney thing once a week is nice too for the anticipation and a lot of the stuff. It's, it's a two way street there yeah. uh, as far as, but I mean, just. To think of any of us fucking complaining about any of this, like, instant streaming fucking... Because the production and the masterpiece, like, I mean, you're talking about um, the mayor's show there with the... Um, What's-his-nose. Right. Yeah, and, I mean, the production and the acting and the, and the you know, just the the settings and stuff and just how it's filmed these days, you know? Even um, Cranston's um, show on Showtime there, uh, The Judge, I believe Your it was Honor. called. Your yeah. Honor, yeah. That was brilliant. It was very good. And if you've, you know, I've been to New Orleans a couple of times, obviously. And when if you've been to New Orleans, I mean, you see it. It's just, I mean, again, the actors, the the writing. I mean, it, it really, I, and every series seems to be outdoing itself. Right. And, and we, we as fans of TV, television, and movie are, 
spoiled, and I can't say enough about the The Witcher is like watching an epic movie every episode. And I watched. Um, I told you about the uh, those two on Disney too. Um, not the Alien Invasion one. That one was was, was all right, but the other one that they put out was another site. You got to uh, real quick. Tell me, tell me about the Expanse a little bit. Wow, um, six seasons. It's the story of three factions. Uh, there's the Earth, people on Earth, people on Mars, and then um, the Belters, which would be um, sort of, I don't want to say the underworld, that's not really fair, but they're kind of the the outcasts that sort of... Are they the bad guys, they, Rob? They're not really the bad guys. They're just a society that, that's not Earth or Mars. There's inners and there's belters, um, and it's the conflict between those three groups, and then the, what binds them all together, there's this one sort of entity, one issue that's hard to explain, but it's sort of by the time you get to season six, it's brought all three of those uh, groups together. But it's... Is there laser guns? Pew, 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 of course. There's laser pew, guns, pew, there's pew. torpedoes, there's everything you'd want from uh, space <laughs> battles. But, you know, the writing's really good, the acting's really good. There's nobody on the show um, that most people would recognize. I mean, the most recognizable actor was Thomas Jane um, in the first couple seasons. But after that, I was like, I don't know any of these people, but you know, they were all very good. So all it's right, not, cool. it's it, it's worth your time. Every you know, each episode is like forty five, fifty minutes, um, and and it doesn't start out slow. Trust me, the first episode you're already hooked. Like, okay, I'm in. There's a lot of people get blown away in the first episode. No, I yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, you can tell. There may be I like there may be an explosion or two, perhaps. A, a, I like explosions. Somebody I'm a big fan of Michael Bay, man. Anything the guy does, love big explosions. But, you know, going back to the uh, the production values, I mean, again, you and I are old enough to remember. And, in fact, it, it, old enough to remember. I mean, this happened several years ago, not just, you know, decades ago. But TV movies, like on the networks, and they were okay. They didn't have Showgun. Huge... Remember Showgun? <laughs> yeah. I mean, those those miniseries that cost a lot of money and were only on, you know, during sweeps time, which, you know, again, you have to be RH, you know what sweeps weeks are. <laughs> But then even a show like, you know, you, you fast forward to say, you know, 2010, 11, 12, when Marvel put Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and it's like, you know, you have the whole Disney Marvel empire behind it. And the show was, you know, second rate and none of the stars from the Marvel Universe except a couple cameos by tier, second tier characters. Mm-hmm. And you wonder why couldn't they put, you know, the power of the Disney ABC Marvel empire behind it? And then you get these streaming services and you wonder why the prices keep going up. And then you watch what's on Disney Plus and Paramount and Peacock and Apple. Every penny. Netflix and Amazon. And they're all just big stars, great production values, tremendous writing. And now you know why, you know, you pay what you pay. So, yes, it's we have come a long way and it's it's odd to complain about it. But if you think about it, this is we kind of been asking for this for years. If, so we don't have to go to the movies just for the big budget spectaculars. We can just watch them right at home and in a series. I mean, forget one, a one-off, but to have series that are, you know, movie quality with big stars, it's just, it's a whole new world. Yeah, man. It's a brave awesome. new uh, world. The foundation was the uh, science fiction one on, on Disney. It's fantastic. Um, uh, okay. yeah, and what was the, remember the alien show years ago? Z, right? Wasn't it Z or something? You mean V? V. Yeah, I was close. Yeah, that I loved that. That came out, you know, <laughs> we were in middle school. That was a great 
miniseries and there was a because it and it was supposed to be science fiction but it was really an allegory about you know mm. the nazis and conformity and you know i didn't know kind of like I, america today i yeah i just thought that the the lizard chick before she turned into a lizard was really hot that's why i watched <laughs> as a 12 or 13 year old boy you know no, uh, too much. All right, Powell, look, we are uh, episode 49, uh, like I brought up earlier. Uh, one more from our last show, probably. Uh, episode 50. Um, so uh, as we've been doing here the last uh, few shows, we, we start off with a sports icon uh, yes. relative to the number of the episode that we're having. So, Rob, take it away. All right, so it's episode 49, and, you know, being a, a Washingtonian my whole life, I can think of uh, nobody better to represent number 49, then Hall of Famer, the late, great uh, Bobby Mitchell, who Bobby. played for the Wolfed Skins. No, you know what? He never played for the Wolfed or the Washington Commanders or whatever they're going to be called. He played for the Redskins from uh, 1962 to 1968, went to the uh, Hall of Fame in 1983. He played his first few seasons with Cleveland, um, and this was a time when – I know – Shocking. The last team to integrate in the NFL was Washington. And and it wasn't oh, man. I, it wasn't wait. Oh, it, was, man. it wasn't by accident. Oh, it's like know you that. know, they just oh, sort of just overlooked they sort of overlooked black players. The owner, George Preston Marshall, was a horrifying racist. In fact, there was a time when I it seemed like the baseball and football owners in this town back in the before the mid 60s were both terrible races. In fact, I believe Calvin Griffith, who owned the Senators for a long time, moved them from DC to Minnesota because uh, well, Minnesota, let's just say not quite as diverse mm-hmm. as Washington DC, which in 1961 was still a sleepy southern town, um, not the thriving metropolis, you know, that it is now. So uh, anyway, Bobby Mitchell, Hall of Famer, um, at the time that he retired in 1960, let me get the figures here, he had um, 14,078 all-purpose yards, which was number two in NFL history at the time. I mean, this is, you know, 50-some-odd years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, 91 touchdowns. He was traded here, and this is a tragedy, one of the great NFL tragedies. So he played with Jim Brown for a few years in Cleveland. Then he was traded here. For Leroy Jackson and Ernie Davis, Ernie Davis, who won the Heisman um, playing at Syracuse, also where Jim Brown went, and before he played it down in the NFL, I think died of leukemia. Um, there was a movie made about his life several years ago. Of course, I forgot to find the name of the movie, but um, he would have been that backfield with Jim Brown and Ernie Davis would have won uh, multiple championships for your Cleveland Browns. So as great as he was on the football field, um, and then after he retired, he stayed with the Redskins in 69 and continued to be their assistant general manager until 2003. And as well received. Bobby, did? Bobby Mitchell here. did? Yes. As well so received. He, as, he went, I'm sorry. He went up into management? That's yes. All, that's awesome. So he was the he's he was obviously the first black man to hold an executive position uh, with an NFL team. And he wanted to be the first black general manager. Got passed over twice, uh, not because he was black, but because the men that were ahead of him were eminently qualified and he certainly held no bitterness. The only bitterness that he held about being passed over was he wished wished that someone had said to him, there were two different owners that passed him over. So, um, and I believe it was Jack Ken cook. So it was the second owner when he passed him over for Charlie Cashley, he went on to help build a team that won a super bowl. He said, I just wish that they had 
talk to me first about that. So the bitterness was not not being named general manager, just that he kind of thought they did it behind his back. But he stayed with the team until 2003. So what I was going to tell you was as much success as he had on the field, as much as the fans loved him, um, there was some mistreatment by the team. In fact, there was a falling out that I'll get to in a moment that sort of um, some, some – what's the word I'm looking for? They were estranged from each oh. other, Bobby Mitchell and the Redskins. He So when Steve Spurrier became coach, which, you know, some good years in terms of comedy, not so much in terms of performance on the field, uh, Spurrier gave his number 49 to some, you know, no-name tight end named Leonard Stevens. Now, at the time, the only number that had been retired with the Redskins was number 33 for Sammy Baugh. But every other number was just – it wasn't retired. It just wasn't given out. Uh, 44 for Riggins, 7 for Theismann, 9 for Jurgensen, et cetera. So it wasn't officially retired. So Spurrier, with no sense of history and nobody on the team to tell him, hey, this is one of the sacred numbers, gave it out. And even though there was public apologies and Spurrier felt bad, that was kind of the last straw for Mitchell. So he resigned after that season. And then well, they did this while he was employed yes. by them. Right. Oh, what a so horrible two, organization. So the two yeah, How it, can it, anybody it, root for that by team? By the way, you'll you'll be you'll be happy to know that 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 last injustice happened under the reign of Mr. Thanksgiving himself, Dan Snyder. So three <laughs> different owners he had, you know, Suris with. But anyway, so they finally retired his number um officially I, I I think sadly it wasn't until after he uh oh no, it was before he just died last April. So they retired were we on, his number. Were we on air at the time? Uh, no. Okay. We were not on the air. Uh, oh, by the way, Willie Mays, I think, still alive as of recording of the show. Uh, anyway, so he got his number retired and kind of mended fences, and then he passed away. Uh, actually, I forget, it's 2022. He passed away two years ago, April of 2020. So uh, he was a great player, all-purpose, you know, receiver, uh, running back, kick returner, punt returner. In fact... When he got to Washington, uh, both in 62 and in 63, led the league in receiving yards, led the league in receiving touchdowns in 1964. Um, he was a great player, and we were lucky to have him. Didn't win any championships, not a lot of wins, but you know he was a, a star on the field. Now, the, the, the clip you're going to hear that we have for you is um, from 2013, 14, somewhere in the neighborhood. He's being interviewed about what it was like to come um, to Washington, D.C. from Cleveland and some of the troubles he faced. And at the beginning, it's funny, he was talking about, because the, the first part of the clip is not there, but he's, the context is he's talking about he and his Browns teammates love to come to Washington because, and I'm sure other teams felt this way as well, that they were always an easy win because he put it, they didn't have any black players. <laughs> <laughs> so it was easy. It was easy to beat that team. They enjoyed playing him. And then, you know, ironically, he gets uh, traded to <laughs> Washington, which I believe the NFL finally had to say to Preston Marshall, you got to take care of this because, hey, it's the 1960s. You know, you're like the Boston Red Sox of the NFL. So um, it's a two minute clip, but it's worth it. You know, some good stuff, especially since a couple of days ago was MLK Day. So let's uh, let's roll clip, please. You think it was because I was the star player? That's all we got, man. Did I, did I blow that? You want it from the beginning? I'm sorry. I think you did. We, we would come to Washington and beat him up. 
Take two. And uh, only because they had no blacks, we played even harder. Today at age 77, Bobby Mitchell is retired from the Redskins' front office. A former superstar receiver with more than 14,000 combined yards in the air and ground. Did you want to come here? No, no. It never crossed my mind I'd ever be a Redskin. He got his start after the University of Illinois for the Cleveland Browns. He was in the backfield with Jim Brown. When I finally came here, it never dawned on me, and I don't know why. Washington is in the South. <laughs> he continued at a Pro Bowl pace once he was traded to D.C., but when off the field, it's no exaggeration to say that Bobby Mitchell caught hell in a segregated Washington, D.C. I couldn't go in restaurants. Barbershops, the same thing you'd get across the Mason-Dixon line. He played for about 10 years in the NFL. There were four Pro Bowls. Twice he led the league in receiving. And how about those 83 touchdowns? And Bruce, you have to remember one other thing. I don't know if people ever even think about it. Bobby Mitchell wasn't loved by the black folks. He wasn't their class. So there was a lot of things my kids couldn't do and my wife couldn't do. The bourgeoisie. The bourgeoisie type. So I got that going against me and I got the whites saying... I don't like you and, and, uh, and the names. In 1983, Bobby Mitchell was voted into the NFL Hall of Fame. He got more than 70% of the vote on the very first ballot. Would it have been okay for you to just be an average player, a role model, or did you have to be great? Uh, you know what? The, the guys who should have gotten that question from you were the other black guys who came in with me. Because have you heard anything about them? It would be interesting to see what was happening to them at the same time. I never heard a complaint. And uh, every day I'm getting kicked. Every day. Wherever I went. And you were a star player. And because I, and I still think it was because I was the star player. Powerful stuff right there. Um, and one little postscript. Um, I, I said all the, the, the owners that, that mistreated, uh, put that in quotes, because I don't know that, that Edward Bennett Williams and Cook necessarily mistreated him. But Vince Lombardi, in addition to being, you know, arguably at worst the second greatest coach in NFL history, uh, gave him his shot uh, in the front office, which was somewhat groundbreaking. And, you know, Lombardi protected those that were going to be the objects of scorn. I mean, he had a player on his team, Jerry Smith, another great Washington Redskin who died of AIDS, sadly, and was known to be gay, wasn't openly gay at the time, but, you know, his teammates knew and Lombardi knew and he went out of his way to make sure that, you know, he didn't get any crap from other players um, and that the secret was, at, at Smith's request, the secret was kept. So, you know, Lombardi, in addition to being great on the field, took care of his players off the field as well. So I just wanted to throw that one out there. It's hard to believe, by the way, that the Redskins had Lombardi as a coach. It's just, it feels like we don't, we're not supposed to have that kind of fortune. Of course, it didn't end well for Lombardi. He died of cancer after one season, but he was here. And he probably would have turned the team around uh, a lot sooner than it was if he had lived. So there you go. Bobby Mitchell, number 49. Stay tuned. If we make it to episode 50, who, you know, number 50 will be. Yeah. Exciting to see. I, you know, I, I listen to, you know, guys like that, Mitchell and stuff like that. I get really angry at this country when I, when I hear those things and what those guys went through. And not just them, but all people of color back in the day. And, and unfortunately, yep. uh, to a certain extent, uh, 
still going on today. It's and we great. think of sports as the great, you know, the, the power that brings people together. Um, and even. Well, don't they, get me started on that. No, I'm just, but even it's just, it's ironic that a player that you cheer for, you love the team and it makes the team better. And when the uniform is on, you love them. Helmet comes off. You hate them. And well, that's, 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 that's it right there. It's the most I fucking know. pathetic thing. Yeah. You get over here, you know, and you, and especially with this is, it's exhausting. Yeah, we're, we don't want to go down Absolutely serious exhausting. road, but it's just, and, and also that was, he's talking about something that happened 60 years ago, and I'm not sure, we certainly haven't made the advancements that we should in that 60-year time period. No, and I don't know if it's just because of cell phones today or whatever, but man, I every week, fans are just beating the living shit out of each other at the games, man. <laughs> <laughs> or in the case of the Cowboy fans, they're throwing garbage at officials. Oh, man. I can't wait to do the NFL segment today, and that's coming up shortly. But before yes. we crank into full sports showgram gear, ladies and gentlemen, as always, it's time to fire up the horns. Fire them up. Our buddies from the great state of Louisiana, the great city of New Orleans. Tom Headlines! You know, I, I I just love those horns. I tell you what, buddy, last week, dumb criminals, stupid criminals, that was probably one of the best segments ever on the headline. And I see from our notes, we might be doing this again, and I, I gotta be honest with you, we might just change this whole thing to stupid criminals. That'd be fine with me. <laughs> well, we don't have Take any Lego parts. No Lego body part stories this time. Oh, man. What do you got for us this week? All right. I got three. Three more. Three more dumb criminals. Headline, meth suspect pulls an absurd defense from his pants pocket. <laughs> and no, it has nothing to do with, you know, oh, man. That, that body part we shan't be mentioning. Uh, this is, uh, where, where is this? Uh, Mankato. I don't know where Mankato is. Uh, after police found a bag of methamphetamine in his pocket, the 37-year-old oh, Minnesotan, uh, Brandon Seahack, disavowed ownership of the drug, claiming that the sweatpants he was wearing were not his own. Okay. Seems like a reasonable defense. Uh, Seahack, who had been searched following a traffic stop Wednesday morning in Mankato, attempted to blame the methamphetamine on another individual, Officer Eric Lopez noted in a probable cause statement. Siak Lopez added, stated he was wearing the other individual's pants. But the 5'11 Siak's bid to pin the drug wrap on the unnamed fall guy did not sway Lopez, who reported that Siak is actually substantially taller than the individual he claimed to be the owner of the pants. The purported trouser owner is only, wait for it, four feet, one inches tall. <laughs> so... Uh, Siak was charged with a felony narcotics possession charge and booked into the Blue Earth County Jail. Blue Earth County Jail. That sounds fabulous, by the way. Uh, his lengthy rap sheet includes convictions for fraud, burglary, receiving stolen property, disorderly conduct, assault, DWI, theft, narcotics possession, check forgery, domestic assault, and driving with a revoked license. And apparently doesn't know how to tell a story. So he's 5'11", and the pants belong to someone who's four foot one. That is one hell of a rap sheet, man. Holy nice job. Holy shit. All right. Story number two. 
Headline, cops, seniors stoned in pot brownie mishap. <laughs> I love I it. Uh, a group of senior citizens unknowingly consumed pot brownies that were brought to a community center card game by a 73-year-old South Dakota woman who was unaware that her son had prepared the baked goods with THC butter, cops report. According to a probable cause affidavit, police dispatches last Tuesday received several calls reporting, quote, possible poisonings of individuals who were at the Tabor Community Center earlier for a card game. Tabor, population 423, is a town about 85 miles southwest of Sioux Falls. An investigation into the accident led me to believe that the, part, the patients were all under the influence of THC from a batch of brownies that were brought to the community center by Irene Coranda, reported Deputy Sheriff Joel Newman. A couple who had been at the weekly Tuesday night card game told police that after several people had eaten the brownies, including themselves, they learned first Coranda's son, quote, made the brownies and had been in Colorado over the past weekend and brought back products with marijuana. Hey, Colorado. During a police interview, Coranda said that her son, Michael, 46, had, quote, baked a pan of brownies, and she took them to the community center card game. Unaware that the sweets contained THC, the psychoactive substance, in cannabis. Karanda then willingly gave the sheriff the remainder of the brownies in a plastic container. And here's the best part. The younger Karanda, so the son who baked the brownies, an elementary school music teacher, <laughs> told deputies that he prepared the pot brownies with THC butter that he brought back from Colorado. After baking the brownies, Karanda said he went to bed and his mother unknowingly took the brownies to the card game. So, there you go. And finally, story number three. Uh, if there are any children in the room, I would suggest they be sent upstairs for uh -oh. a few minutes. Uh oh. Headline Probation for man who violated stuffed unicorn and frozen doll inside Target store. <laughs> yes. A man who engaged in sexual conduct with a pair of large stuffed animal toys at a Target store in Florida. Oh, Florida, what a surprise! was sentenced today to six months probation after pleading no contest to indecent exposure and criminal mischief charges. Cody Meter, 22, entered his misdemeanor plea before a circuit court judge who also ordered the St. Petersburg man to pay $725 in court fines, <laughs> according to court records. Meter was arrested in late 2019 after willfully and maliciously damaging target goods by, quote, wait for it, ejaculating on the merchandise. Oh, By the way, there's pictures in the story of the violated... You, know, you got to draw a line about some of these stories. I mean, you know, people are listening to this. Wait, wait, wait. When people listen to this, they have to create these images in their mind, and it's terrible. It's fantastic, actually. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. I think we have on the line uh, a number of people who want to complain about this story. Oh, yeah, okay. Thank you. Hold on. Uh, meter, cops report, initially took a stuffed unicorn to the children's bedding department. Oh, it just gets more and more yucky. Uh, exposed himself and then took the unicorn and placed it against, you know, uh, and began a sexual motion like the subject was trying to have sex with the unicorn. Wearing shorts and a Star Wars t-shirt. Sons of bitches. How they, why they have to drag Star Wars into this? Meter then proceeded to the front. Wait, it gets, it gets even worse. To the front of the store and picked up an Olaf snowman stuffed animal from a display featuring characters from the Disney film Frozen and began having sex with this stuffed animal, and it was all on video. The subject finished having sex with the stuffed animal, uh, did his business, and then wiped it off. Now, here's my question for you. 
here's the question I have for you. Have a question anyone, for me? For anyone listening, how is it okay? I, I'm not saying I understand, but I can see somebody going in doing that once and then sneaking out. But he did it. Had to come to the front of the store, grabbed another stuffed animal and made his way back to the children's bedding department. You would think at some point during the first go-round with the stuffed unicorn, somebody would have noticed. A customer, an employee, anybody. And would have said, hey, hey, there's somebody, you know, doing horribly nefarious things to stuffed animals in the children's bedding department. But yet, nobody was around. He did it once and then and to the front oh, of the store and picked up one off the display and then made his way back to the betting department. So this was in 2019? The, 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 the crime was in 2019, but he just got probation. That's ah, swift right. justice See, I was, there. If, if it had in, been 2020, wait, what was, what was the month in 2019? Uh, it doesn't say what month. Uh, late. It's late in the year. Ooh, so it would have been, no, because, uh, you know, so I was, I was going to say it's definitely not during COVID, the beginning of COVID, because then I would have maybe right. have said that, you know, a lot of people are short-staffed these days. Um, right. But obviously somebody wasn't watching well, the store cameras. He I mean, was. What, I mean, you, you walk into st- retail stores, department stores, and mm-hmm. you know what you're getting or whatever. You're not really, especially certain types of stores. What right. store was he in? What store was he in? Target. So at Target, yeah, you know, you're not necessarily concerned what other people are doing. At Target, you kind of know what you're going in there for. Boom, and you get out, and, and okay, you know. But but it's one thing, you know, maybe not notice somebody browsing up and down the aisles, but having his way on a kid's bed with a stuffed animal. I don't know. A lot of and, people didn't uh, go to the kids section that day, buddy. And and uh, thank he, thankfully for them, because you know what, Rob, they were spared the image yeah. that you just put in all our minds. Hey, and I, you're welcome. Um, he was caught on the surveillance camera with uh, Olaf, but apparently with the unicorn, <laughs> with the unicorn, nobody noticed. So you know, there you go. Good job, Target. Poor Olaf. Unbelievable. Yeah. There you go, folks. Another episode of uh, Bad Criminals on the uh, headlines yep. that make you do lines. And that'll okay. make you do lines. Oy vey. <laughs> All right, let's get this sports show going here. Before we jump to the NFL... Are we still talking sports on this podcast? All right. No, that was just TV and, you know, animal, you know, violation. All right. So last week uh, we, we put a cap on the NCAA football season. But uh, the NCAA basketball season, Rob, is getting yes. into full gears, uh, you know, end of January here in February. And then obviously it looks like we're going to have a big March Madness. So um, tonight, uh, January 20th, there are 30, 30, I think over 30, NCAA basketball games going on live right now. Right. And I'm going to give you all the scores. Here we go. Oh, Purdue. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Are you ready? Bro? Wait, I have just the music for it. Uh, Indiana up 37-28. I uh, see. I don't even. Colorado up uh, down 14-19 to uh, USC. Uh, St. Louis and UMass are tied. Uh, a- 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 Akron and BGS. You know what I'm getting at here. It's a little too much. That's what I'm trying that, to that's say. That's a lot. Nice. There's all over 30 games. It's a lot of games. I'll, I'll I'll learn how to speak faster, and I'll get them all next week, okay? 30, 30 games in 30, 30 seconds. 30 plus games. Yeah, 30 games in 30 seconds. You know what? I should just uh, just run down the scores, and I won't tell you the teams. There you go. No, there is uh, 50, teams. 51-34, 43-46, uh, 27-37, uh, 44-40, 
4340. Go on and on. Just see how, uh, you know, see how that goes next week. We'll see if there's a demand for it here in the Honchos. Okay. We'll put out a poll on Twitter. (laughs) 30-some-odd games, buddy. That's a lot of games. That is. What a lot of teams. It's a big country, man. Yeah. Big country. Lots of universities. See, And they say America's a dumb country. And we have all these universities. But they're all 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 playing basketball tonight. All the resources go to sports. That's why. But I do, I do. We do love college sports here. But we're not bashing on college sports. But yeah, we have a lot of schools. But where are the? Yeah, what brings in the money? It's not just tuition. No, no, no. It's bowl games and postseason tournaments and March Madness and college football playoffs. So, no. Telling you right now, um, we're the reason why it's capitalism at work, ladies and gentlemen. IUPUI is having a tough night against Wright. They're down forty nine twenty four. In the second the only right the only school I believe whose uh, initials are palindrome I U P U I. Look at you! Hey now, that, that's good stuff. Yeah, but, uh, I think that deserves a little of this. Thank you, thank yeah, you, Mr. King, ladies and gentlemen. All right, shut All right it. pal. Let's jump into this uh, <laughs> wild world of the NFL, or as I call it, the National Mediocrity League. I think at this time of the year. Uh, we've we've eliminated pretty much most of the shitty teams in the NFL. Most of the um, mediocrity is gone. Most Where's, of the mediocrity is gone. Where are my pals? They didn't make what? Where I, are my I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. I thought I'm, we were starting. Oh, man. Segment. I thought I'm we were starting there. without them. No, got... no, 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 oh, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Just let it breathe a little bit, Rob. I'm sorry. I thought we were okay. starting without my friends. No, I would never, ever do that. All right. So, we're going into our NFL segment right now. I'm ready. Okay. Most of the NFL shitty teams didn't mm-hmm. make the playoffs. They've been they flushed. And they won the yes, and then we've we've gone through the first round here. And, right. Uh, we're going to get into it big time here. But before we do, as always, we bring yes. in our NFL experts. Ah, there we kick are. off the segment, ladies and gentlemen. Here they are, folks. Al, you old son of a bitch. How you doing? How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins, fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed? Bewildered? This is very exciting. Yeah, it is, fella. All right on, amigo. Damn straight. Damn straight. (laughs) Fucking A. Fucking A, right. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking A, baby. Al Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth? No, it's not. It's, It's not. Everybody knows who those guys are. Yeah. They're the well, best. Yeah. That's all you need to know. You don't even know, need to know their names. Just know no. that they're the fucking best. They are. They're the so, best. The best that we can, that money can buy. So, we buddy. Expense. Did you have a, 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 a nice time enjoying these games? I did. The, uh, the sons, the sons of CUNY, Jacob and Noah, came uh, for super, and, and the NFL is forcing me to say that, super wild card weekend. Um, they didn't stay for the Monday night game because, you know, they had a, they both had lives to lead. But we watched the Saturday doubleheader and the Sunday tripleheader. Um, and then, I, you know, I watched in my sadness and loneliness the Monday night game. And I have to tell you, by that sixth playoff game, I, I, I felt very spent. Um, it was a good game. <gasps> How could you well, say actually that? It wasn't a good game. How could you say I that? watched the whole thing. But I was kind of like, oh, another playoff game. Yay. It's like eating an entire 20-piece I don't chicken. understand you. 
And you yeah, get to that, that last this is really here. fucked up. I mean, you're the biggest NFL guy I know, and now you're complaining about too many playoff no, games? I, no, no, I didn't complain. I'm just saying, you know, I love that, that 20th nugget, but when that 20th nugget is eaten, you're kind of like, okay, I, I think I've reached maximum porkage, and good thing really, I have a football week. glutton like yourself yes. was a little full <laughs> I was. at no, the I was Cardinals game. No, I was a lot full. Wow. But, but then, but I'm ready. Now, I, I've got the rumbling in the tummy for a divisional round weekend, which is it. only four games, sadly, and not six. All right, where so. do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Well, let me just say this. That super wild card weekend was really anything but. I mean, we had there was one compelling game, uh, one that became close at the end, and then uh, four stinkers. And, and the real losers, by the way, in this whole wild, super wild card weekend, the officials. In fact, the officiating crew from the Cincinnati game, Jerome Boger and his crew, will be politely asked not to do any more playoff games this season after their... The fiasco there. You know, they, but really, I, we, they really need to start doing some Game of Thrones shit to these guys. Like, they should, you know, probably execute them, I guess. I mean, it's very violent. I would think that just, I think not <laughs> making them do a playoff game is probably enough than, rather than, you know, executing them. It would be more fun, know. though, right? Well, well, I mean, yes, it would motivate other officials to be more diligent exactly. in their duties. Exactly, and the quality of the game is the most important thing, Robert. If they just, if they brought out, after the game is over, they brought all the all those officials out into the stadium and then beheaded them. No, <laughs> no, 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 just no. Let the losing team fans have at them. <laughs> I mean, they can say, look, we're sorry. We're sorry, Raider Nation, that Jerome Boger and his crew blew the inadvertent whistle. And and to, to pay you back, we're going to bring them all out to Allegiant Stadium in Vegas and off with their heads. Or... Just have them, you know, burned to death by a dragon. Oh, well, you know, come on. Beheadings I'm okay with, but burning them to death? Come on, Rob. Well, but it's the dragon part that's really cool. You know, wow. everyone loves dragons. It's hard to get a dragon these days. So, okay, so we'll start. Um, we'll just do them in order. Uh, the game that became close at the end, the, the Raiders at the Bengals, I mean, look, uh, it was a, a – it turned out to be a good game. There was some odd coaching decisions at the end from Raiders coach Rich Bisaccia. Um, they were clearly the, the the sentimental favorites outside of the state of Ohio because of everything they've gone through this year um, with the coach and with the rugs and with Arnett and just a whole lot of people, a whole lot of things going wrong with this franchise. Uh, we'll talk about the future of Pisaccia and Mike Mayock uh, after we get through the games. But, you know, a, a lot of people, they were playing with house money. People wanted to see them win because it's a great story, but ultimately they lost to probably the most talented young quarterback not named uh, Patrick Mahomes in the NFL. And that's Joe Burrow. Who Really? You look at a guy, you look at him and you think, okay, first playoff start, he's going to have jitters, going to have nerves. He looked like he'd been doing this for years. He's finding his way. You know, he, he now I realize he, he stepped out of, you know, a national championship game in LSU played last year. was doing great until you know, his knee got blown out against the Wolf skins, by the way. Uh, no one knew how the Cincinnati was going to play. If they were going to have the curse of the Bengals, not having had a playoff win since 1991. And, you know, Burrow stepped to the plate and performed very well. I don't know they're going to go any further. Um, I think the streak might end this Saturday, but they played well. The Raiders made it close. Um, just uh, why at, on the last play? Derek Carr would throw to a double-covered Zay Jones when he had all-world tight end Darren Waller all by himself 
in the corner of the end zone, I'll never know. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure what they were doing in that last minute. He wasn't up look, for a bonus. Look, if Rich Passaccia was coaching for his for his job to be have that interim label removed off of his name, uh, that last minute or so of football, it's not going to help him out any. Um, I will say that one of the nicest stories was after the game was over, uh, Passaccia wrote each one of his players a thank you note, which is a nice gesture. An the odd same way gesture. Jimmy Fallon does it on the Tonight Show. I don't know that was that was those were as comical as the ones that Fallon does, but uh, they were certainly a nice a nice thing to do. I, you know, we hear coaches doing that, and I guess he was really grateful These for guys the fact. Get paid that millions. You got to fucking write some notes. Well, tell them to clean out not, their fucking the lockers. Not being paid get millions. your fucking losing asses out of here. We'll see you next training camp. Well, okay, that's why you and I are in football coaches because that's how we would handle it. <laughs> we're the ones that want to, you know, execute officials. But the 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 play of which I'm speaking is the the touchdown. You know, the margin of victory was seven points. End of the second half, there was a touchdown pass from Burrow, in which he was running out of bounds. And before he went out of bounds, he threw the ball across his body. I I can't remember who the receiver was that caught it. It wasn't Jamar Chase, but there was a whistle that was blown while he was mid throw. And under the rules in the NFL, when the whistle blows inadvertently, the play is dead. Either you stop the play. Or if the play runs to completion, you run the play over again. And you could see that uh, the safety for the Raiders, Trayvon Mooring, actually pull up a little bit. He was covering the receiver, and he pulled up just slightly. Um, he was in position to make a play, but I think he heard the whistle pulled up just, again, just slightly, uh, and the touchdown catch was made, but nothing happened. And he, And the officials admitted afterwards, yes, you know, the play should have been called dead because there was an inadvertent whistle. It's not reviewable, but yet, yet, you know, I love when officials come out after a game and says, and say, yes, we fucked up because what does it really do? You know what it does? It makes the losing team even angrier. Now to the Raiders credit, they didn't pin the loss on a first half touchdown. That shouldn't have been, that shouldn't have counted. But as a viewer, you're like, come on now, these are the playoffs. You know, this is, I'm not saying you call everything, call the games tighter, but you got to know if there's an inadvertent whistle that results in a touchdown, you can't, the sanctity of the playoffs can't be tainted by having this thing out there. And then afterwards, you got to come out with your hat in your hand and say, yeah, we screwed up. Gee, we're really sorry. Sort of like, you know, what got the Rams into the Super Bowl. Yeah, we messed up. Sorry. Did they take the Rams out of the Super Bowl and say New Orleans Congratulations. No, nothing happens. All you do is you anger a fan base and the officials look stupid. Of course, not as stupid as they looked in the Dallas game. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later. But it's just it was a bad look. And that's why Jerome Boger and his crew have been asked not to work any more playoff games. And, and he's not a, a bad ref. Just and I don't know that he was the one that blew the whistle, but you know, always falls on the, the top guy and then the crew gets shuttled elsewhere. And what? some of the crews contain you know, reg the head officials. So some of the people that call the games for the regular season, they combine crews. So some of the people that Jerome Boger are working with are people that are head officials during the regular season. So it's like an all-star crew, and they screwed up. So, Rob, I mean, there's really no way for them to fix this. No, there isn't. What, you know how you fix it? You stop saying you're – you stop admitting you made a mistake. Look, everybody knows you made a mistake. Once you admit it, you, again, you're just you're you're leaving the wound open, 
and people are going to talk about it more and just continue to complain about it. If people are talking more about the officials than the game itself, that's a problem. So I just, look, it happens. Okay, sorry. So let me answer this. I mean, I know we're going to get the Dallas game here sooner, but when you take the full football game from beginning to end, mm-hmm. would you say that the majority of the game was was called terribly? Or do we, we're looking here, obviously, you know, if we go back to the, to the Rams-Saints game, you know, that was just one huge, massive screw-up, right? Uh, which had huge implications. I think, obviously, a lot of stuff is, is if it has huge implications on a game, uh, right. especially where the time is, you know, what point of the game is, where the score is at, um, you know, it, it has a bigger resonance. Right. Well, this, this was a first-half touchdown. But even people like to point out the fact that, well, it was a seven-point margin. But you know, it didn't happen with the last, last 10 seconds of the game. It happened... At the end of the first half, I mean, that game was there were a couple of questionable calls, but, you know, in every game in every sport, there's a couple of questionable calls, but not a screw up like this. Yeah, it's it's it puts it shines a brighter light on the entire game in terms of the officiating. So it wasn't like the whole game. You're like you're smacking your head. And go, oh, my God, this is a major screw up. But that was a major screw up. That's when the whistle blows that, you know, that's what players are, are taught play to the whistle. That's why when you see guys that you think have been tackled and they're still chugging forward uh, before they go down, they're waiting until the whistle. You play to the whistle. So when a player hears the whistle, it's very Pavlovian, you stop. Okay, we're done. You know, that's just that's just basic you know, football back to peewee. Whistle blows, you're done. Till the whistle blows, you're not done. Keep going. Effort forward. Yeah, I mean, if you throw it on a player side, you think of all the guys who uh, go off sides, who make stupid mistakes on the field. I mean, yep. you know, the players will make um, probably 10, 20 times more mistakes than the officials will make during a game. Absolutely. And but they also, but they're also making good plays at the same time, so that kind of balances it out. But you want your officials, you want to feel like the officials aren't, you want to feel like as a fan that the other team is going to be better or your team's going to screw up. And that's what's going to cause the result, not yes. the officials. The officials to keep the game balanced, not, well, we played it. We played our asses off, and so did they. And ultimately, it came down to an official screwing up, which it didn't. I'm not going to sit here and say they cost the Raiders the game, even though it was a seven point margin. I think, again, some of the coaching in the last minute cost the Raiders the game and their own ineptitude in the first half. And Joe Burrow and, and the Cincinnati defense and Jamar Chase and that offensive line just, they outplayed them. But we still have to talk about it. It's still out there. It's still a big screw-up. So, anyway. And that's uh, the other side of the coin, too, because if the Raiders end up winning that game, right? is it even really discussed? No. If the Raiders win, no one's talking about it. I mean, they might talk about it sort of as a side note. Oh, yeah, by the way, there was an inadvertent whistle. But maybe not. Maybe no one notices. Also, I think, and I, I have no reason to believe this is true, it was a spectacular play that Burrow made, throwing across his body, going out of bounds. Um, and I, maybe the refs were like, eh, it's a great highlight real touchdown. I don't know that I want to, <laughs> you know, say touchdown, my arm's up, and then go, oh, wait, the whistle blew. Sorry, Joe. Hey, Joe, can you repeat that same play? Can you do that again? That once-in-a-game, once-in-a-season sort of play? Okay, it wasn't a once-in-a-season kind of play, but it was a spectacular you know, cross his body out of bounds play. So we're well, losing side on here is uh, congratulations to the Bengals. First win, yes. playoff win in 30 years, I believe. 
big, uh, big, huge moment for Cincy. Um, downtown was, I mean, you'd think they'd won the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. I guess when you haven't won a playoff game in 30 years, you celebrate like you have won the Super Bowl. What are they going to do for an encore if they beat Tennessee on Saturday? All right. Uh, we don't even, the New England Buffalo game, what a joke. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no real reason to even talk well, about it. Hold on a second, Mr. Cuny. You, you were, you were praising those guys in New England there. I you was know? praising them, but and, I didn't well, think they were going to go in there and, and run over Buffalo. No, I didn't think they'd be screamed, but Buffalo played a perfect game. Five drives, five touchdowns. I'm sorry, seven drives, seven scores. They only, except for the kneel downs, they didn't punt. Like the old Jim no, Kelly days. No punts, no turnovers, no nothing. Uh, it was just It was just lambs to slaughter. And, you know, Sean McDermott, they pay him to coach too. And for the people that are saying that the Patriot dynasty is dead, uh, you know, the Patriot dynasty was supposed to be dead last year. And then they finished 10 and seven and made the playoffs in year two post Tom Brady. As long as Belichick has the passion to coach. Um, but what they need, I will tell you what this exposed. They play Hold in the AFC East. Hold on a second. <laughs> uh, we're not going to go down this road. I know. I'm just, but this is what this exposed. For years, the dirty little secret about New England was we have Tom Brady, we have a great defense, and it doesn't matter who we line up at receiver, at running back, whatever. We have, always have good tight ends, and this year was no exception, Hunter Henry and John Smith. But we've never, we, if, as the Patriots are saying, we've never had offensive talent at the skill positions that scare you beyond Tom Brady. So, you take Tom Brady away and you put in Mac Jones, who had, you know, a respectable rookie year. Not spectacular, it's respectable. You put those same, that same no-name offense with Mac Jones, and you put it in the and you say to your, your defense, you gotta win this game. We'll do just enough to score, but you gotta keep us in the game and ultimately win it. It's not the same recipe. So what Bill Belichick, the GM, has to do is find himself a Jamar Chase like wide receivers to find himself a Devin Singletary he can put in the backfield. Uh, and, and then, you know, if he continues to develop Mac Jones the way he wants, who can play in that Tom Brady mold, you know, quick decisions, good software, good enough arm to get the ball downfield when he has to, then we'll see the Patriots back. But if he continues to put the same no-name offensive talent out in the field, he'll make the playoffs, and then he'll be crushed by a team like Buffalo who is just clicking on all cylinders right now. They but yes, playing, they, they well. do take advantage of, well, not Buffalo. Buffalo is better than them right now. And But the Jets, the Jets are the Jets. The Dolphins, though, again, I don't know why they fired their coach, but they're, they always give the Patriots a hard time, even when they stink. It's the damnedest thing. It's there you go. Now. There it is. Who's there. next? What's next? Anyway, uh, uh, we're going to do, we'll talk about the this week's matchups after we go through this. Right. Uh, Philly at Tampa. Again, Philly not ready for prime time. Uh, Jalen Hurts, big old question mark about whether he can succeed. He got a lot of hype before that game. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was watching, you know, the the pregame show and everything else, and they were really bumping him up. Did you see they had the whole uh, interview with him and uh, Michael Vick and all that other stuff? And I, I was kind of on in the background. I wasn't really paying attention. I just I know they're talking about him being the next Michael Vick, which you know, Michael Vick, uh, much much better with the Eagles than Hurts. Now Hurts, yeah, obviously he is he's just been in the league for a couple of years. He has time to mature, but 
the reason people question him in Philly is exactly what you saw on display here. Plus, uh, Nick Sirianni had this obsession, even when they were down 10, 15, 20 points, of running a lot of short passes, a lot of screen plays, passes in the backfield. And he's got uh, Devontae Smith, who's great, a great wide receiver, and he, he refused. And I realize, you know, Tampa plays defense, but he refused to stretch that defense any. So they got to go back to the drawing board there. Yeah, but what should scare you if you're a Patri- uh, Patriot, see? It's Tom Brady. If you're a Bucks fan, is there were three, after they got out to their 21-point lead, there were three straight third downs where Brady got sacked. And he got two of those sacks were by Ryan Kerrigan, who I loved when he was here, but his best days are behind him. And he's not the star on that defensive line. When Tristan Wirfs went out, everything changed. Um, and that was against Philly. Philly is an okay defense. We'll talk about the game against the Rams, but Tampa's got a lot to be concerned about. Um, if that, if Wirfs, I don't know if he's going to play. If he if he's not there to anchor the left side of that line, uh, they could be in some some trouble come this weekend. Until you take Gronk and Brady out, a couple of those other guys, uh, the Bucks are going to be okay. They could, they could have a nun centering, and they'll be okay. No, no, Ben. No, no, no. They're they're missing. Uh, you know, they're they're also they hey, got look, their, they got they, they got, got their tomorrow. backup they, running backs. The, Bucks the JV good. running backs are in there as well. But we'll talk more about that when we get to the uh, the games this weekend. Um, the Niners Cowboys was the, probably the best game of the playoffs so far. Um, obviously, nineteen eighty something out there. It was a lot of fun. Right. It was. It looked like right, like the late eighties. Anytime the Cowboys it, lose, it's even better. Right, and just <laughs> a team that has won what, three playoff games since nineteen ninety seven. As as was really pointed bad. out by many people in the media, there's a disproportionate amount of hype for a team that's had zero playoff They're success. America's team, right? America's and and team. why why they continue to be America's team when they don't win when it really counts. And that as a as a Skins fan, it's great, especially when they hire a dope like Mike McCarthy. <laughs> Holy shit, what were they doing in that game? That's another game that ended with the the officials inserting themselves into that game. But it wasn't even all their fault. That's the what clown- it's not really all the officials' fault. No, no I mean- that's what I'm saying. It's not their fault because the clown show that was put on there, Thank you. that whole last sequence, that whole last 15 seconds or 20 seconds uh, in that game, for those that don't know, the Cowboys are driving uh, for what potentially could be, you know, a Hail Mary into the end zone to, to win the playoff game against the Niners. The Niners, by the way, just as an aside, I don't know, if you're a Niners fan and Kyle Shanahan is your coach, it seems like they get out to a lead and then they just want to do whatever they can, either to play too conservatively or to piss it away. And it just felt like the Niners, I've always said this about Kyle Shanahan, he doesn't know how to coach from ahead. Seems like he 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 gets way out to a lead, and then goes into a shell, or he changes his game plan completely, like he did when he was the coordinator, the OC for Atlanta, uh, and they decide to throw the ball with a twenty-five point lead over the Patriots. But we don't have to relitigate that. So anyway, the 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 Niners allowed the Cowboys to sneak back in. You know, the, the Cowboys played just a, a, a C minus game as a whole, and Dak Prescott, I love him. I think he's a good quarterback, but it's just something's not right there. But anyway, they he's, drive down. He's not all that, the, all the, all that money that he's been given, kind of quarterback, right. as far oh. as I'm concerned. 
but nobody is. Oh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is. Tom Brady is. After that, Patrick Mahomes. Nah, after that, you fall off a cliff. Okay, so they're driving down. They've got no timeouts left. The Niners aren't covering uh, the sides. You know, they're not covering the sidelines, which is where you want to play so you can get out of bounds and stop the clock. Finally, the Niners wake up, cover the sidelines, and then inexplicably, <laughs> with 15 seconds left, McCarthy caused a quarterback draw to get them a little closer for a Hail Mary, which is fine, but you're, you're running up the middle of the field, and it's like Moses in the Red Sea. The Niners' defense will part it and say, just run as far as you want with no timeouts left. And and here's So let's count all the people that led to this monumental keystone cops. Get your bell ready. Come on, do the bell. You know, I don't have my bell. Isn't it sad? Oh. So instead, I'll give you this. Instead of the bell, you get that. So let's see. First, you've got schmucky Mike McCarthy. Uh, calling for a quarterback draw with no timeouts and f- 15 seconds left. Then you've got Dak Prescott. <laughs> this is actually kind of fun. you got Dak Prescott, who should know. you got to know the room, know the situation. you got 15 seconds left. You only have to go about, I don't know, 10 yards for a reasonable Hail Mary pass. And with his arm, it should be fine. But he goes like 20 yards, which is bleeding time off the clock. Okay, And then... When the play is over, he picks up the ball and and places it where he thinks it should be and 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 so his center can snap it to him. Hey Dak, and and I think I don't think this is a secret. It might be a secret to you and I as football watchers, but to players you know, the play cannot begin until the line judge or one of the officials get touches the football and places it where it's supposed to be. Can you get your sound effect ready? That one? Can you get it ready? Yes. But Prescott's a rookie quarterback, right? Uh No, he's not a rookie quarterback. Thank you. He's not. So he lines up, he picks up the ball and then he 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 can't the, the official tries to run over to grab the ball so he could officially set it. And he can't. He's blocked by Prescott and the lineman. And so he has just enough time to get the ball. It's snapped to him, and he spikes it as time runs out. The, what he should have done was run 10 yards, lined up, grabbed it, grabbed, got, you know, let the official set the ball. It's snapped to him, and he spikes it. There'll be like one second left on the clock, and you try the Hail Mary. And you got to, in that situation, if time runs out and you score, you still get to kick the extra point. So, you know, it would have, if he had somehow made the Hail Mary pass, he would have kicked the extra point. Worst comes, worst case scenario, they go to overtime. But instead, he bleeds the clock down to almost zero, won't let the line judge set the ball. The line judge does a terrible job of setting the ball, too. So you got the officials, you got the coach, you got Dak Prescott. Everyone's to blame here. And it just ends, this furious comeback ends with a whimper. With t- in fact, I'm watching the game, and no one really knows what's going on. The clock's running down to zero. He spikes the ball. There's a lot of people standing around, and Alex Kemp, the head official, I think said, I think that was who it was. Was Alex Kemp said, he just waves his arm, and go, okay, that's it. The game's over. You're like, what? The playoff game ends with the official waving his arm. He wasn't wrong. Arm, it was the over. Game's over. It's just I've never seen anything like that. It was unbelievable. Well, let's just talk about the Cowboys here as an organization. I mean. Again, a home playoff game, 100,000-person stadium, all the money, America's team, 
the big owner, all this stuff. It's the same shit. I mean, it's funny. You know, you joke when I call this the National Mediocrity League. I mean, you got so much money invested in certain of these players and stuff, and, and I think you're bang on, too, about the coaching who's been, uh, you know, running these squads here in Dallas and some of these other big franchises, too. I, I, I am baffled. And like I said, I joke about the National Mediocrity League, but I say that because there's the NFL is supposed to be the, the cream. Of, I mean, the biggest, the most expensive sport in the world. Uh Every franchise is multi-billion dollars worth. It's, they get all the TV. Geez, you had Tuesday night. I mean, just everything. They plowed through all the COVID stuff, all the rules. I mean, just on and on and on and on. They, they just, whatever the NFL does, they get away with everything. They can play in Europe. They can do whatever the frick they want. And I'm sorry, man. I think, unfortunately, a lot of the, a lot of the franchise and a lot of the fan bases and you can talk about the Jets, and you can talk about the Jaguars. I mean, there's just so much losing in the NFL. And then you see stuff like these. These are professional athletes. Like Prescott sees right. getting paid gazillions of dollars. You and, know, and we no, talk about the officiating and everything else. It just doesn't doesn't jive no, with me, man. No one says to him, and he doesn't think is in his internal clock. I got to get down. You know, not when I'm tackled. Just take you know, do the slide, and get back to the line. But. You know, I forgot to mention one other thing. You know, it, I realize as a fan of the Wolfskins, we lead the league as a clown show organization. But, you know, Jerry Jones, who I know likes to be extravagant, likes to show off his money and power, but he builds this stadium, which, I mean, he, I don't even know how to describe this massive structure that is Jerry World, AT&T Stadium. But in his desire to be the, to be the flashiest owner... He builds this mammoth scoreboard, this jumbotron that's, you know, just it's the biggest one, I believe, at the time it was the biggest. It made, SoFi might have a bigger one now. But it's so enormous and so intrusive that, you know, you run the risk of a punter hitting the scoreboard during a punt, which is exactly what Dallas, Dallas Anger, the Dallas punter, did. He hit one 60 yards up in the air. What a leg he has. It hit the scoreboard and they had to punt it again. Uh-huh. And, and also, they have these windows uh, around the stadium that when the, and the sun is in the right spot in the sky, it's like laser beams onto the field, these spots of the field where you can't see anything. They say All you that can that's see is God. the light. That, they say that that's God watching his favorite football but that's, team. But, but I, I think someone forgot to tell Jerry that his players also play on that field. And so the sun's going to be in their eyes too. I mean, I, again, I understand you, you want to do something nice and, and beautiful and architecturally sound, but... It, it, you know, you play football games. They don't just say, oh, your stadium's better, you win. So he kind of screwed his own team twice there. I don't know. Kenny Chesney and Garth Brooks have had more success in that stadium than Dallas Cowboys. That's all I got to say on that. I got no three sympathy for him. Three playoff wins since 1997. Oh. And yet, the hype they get, you would think they're, they're working for their 10th straight Super Bowl. Can we move on from the Cowboys now? Yes. Um, the Steelers and Chiefs... <laughs> Thanks for a great career, Ben. Uh, it was that was. Although I will say, for a game that everyone predicted would be a slaughter, it was nothing, nothing after the first quarter, and even there was even a seven nothing lead in the second quarter for the Steelers. But it was um, it was hard to watch. In fact, uh, that was we were. I was kind of watching with one eye and doing some other things at that point because the game stopped being compelling. Um, 
But I'm going to talk more about this game, spoiler alert, later on in the show, if you know what I mean, um, about some comments that were made after this game later on in the show. But mm-hmm. it was, you know, I mean, it was, it was exactly what people thought. They lost 42 to 21, and it wasn't even that close. And Big Ben, the time is right to retire. And no matter how sentimental you may feel about him, great career. There's nothing left in the tank with him. So, yes, Chris, sir. What What's your thoughts on Tomlin coming back? Oh, he should absolutely come back. Yep. Okay. The, the fact that, that they got to the playoffs with uh, Ben Roethlisberger at about 25% of what he normally is and his arm being now pretty much a noodle, it's unbelievable. All he's got is a really good defense. 15 years, 15 non-losing seasons. You know, since you and I were born, the Steelers have had three coaches. <laughs> three. That's, 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 and you know what? I wonder, and if you wonder, is that the smart way to run a football team? I don't know. They've won six Super Bowls. They've been to eight or nine. Well, I, got, mean, you, you know, well, I mean, you know, they, I think, you know, consistency still means something in sports and not uh, panicking. What's Tomlin's record um, as far as winning seasons again? Uh, 15 seasons. I think the worst he's ever had is an eight and eight. And it, he didn't make the playoffs every year, right? No, but no. they're always in the mix. Yeah, they're always in the mix. I mean, sometimes, you know, an organization, I, and, and, you know, getting back to my previous comments about the, the league here, I guess when you have a franchise that at least has a winning pedigree, um, like the Steelers do. I mean, at least the Steelers, for the most part, I mean, what's when's the last time they 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 won a championship? Two thousand after the two thousand eight season, so yeah, February so two thousand nine. You look at the Steelers in the heyday of the seventies and everything else, and um, you know, to to get a championship here in the two thousand stuff, as opposed to like so what we're talking about here with the um, you know, with the Cowboys and stuff, and they hadn't won in the nineties. And it's it's weird. I, I mean, I'm just no sympathy here for the Cowboys, and we joke and everything else, but you know, the Steelers. The Cowboys, I mean, even the Chiefs to a certain extent, some of the teams from the old days that used to have the great, um, you know, the great uh, personalities, uh, success, the Super Bowl championships, obviously. Even a team like the Vikings, even though they never won, just the they days of Fran. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the days of Fran Target, like that put them on yep. the map. I mean, look, there's a, you know, before Far Favre and uh, Rodgers get here, I mean, same thing. The Packers were sucking ass for a long, long time since the old days, too. It's, it's, I think certain franchises, you know, in the NFL have that certain kind of – it's a huge um, persona, I guess. I don't know if that's – like if they were, they were personalities, they just have this huge uh, carrying factor for their the tradition uh, of how it used to be. As opposed to, like, you know, the Jets' luster has died off for so many years now. I mean, Parcells and Testaverde got them close there, and they – they had another. What was the other young kid who got him into the playoffs? There, uh, it, Mark Sanchez got him the yeah, two straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Rex Ryan was the coach. Yeah. Oh my god, that was that was a shit show too. But um, yeah. I mean, just getting back to this, you know, in terms of um, you know, these teams and swinging back to to Pittsburgh here too. There's, I think, maybe you can look at a franchise like, and the difference between saying looking at the the Steelers as opposed to the Ravens, who've had a lot of success too. I think just because. They don't have the old history. I think there's, what I'm getting at is the teams like the Cowboys and the Steelers, 
the Chiefs, they have that old, old game day history. And, and guys like us, our age too, we you know, we grew up with all the NFL films and all that stuff. Like the Dolphins used to have all those great years, those great teams. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you, if you know right. where I'm coming from. And we from. think, so we, if you get, you know, people in our age bracket, we, we still like to think of the Cowboys and the Steelers and the Dolphins. And you're right, those teams of the 70s, the Raiders, to some extent, as always being good. You know, we have that mindset that they're always good because you remember and the Vikings too, but the reality is the Steelers have been consistently good. They had, I mean, they had some down years, but you know, the Cowboys aren't what they used to be. The Raiders aren't what they used to be. The Dolphins certainly aren't what they used to be. In, in fact, this game, uh, Roethlisberger's last game was a blowout loss in the playoffs. Dan Marino's last game was a blowout loss to the in the playoffs. I think sixty-two to three, or sixty-two to seven, something like that to the Jaguars. Um, you know, On Conklin's Jaguars, I'm sure. Uh, yes, we seem to forget that those teams that we remember, the ones with the characters, you know, we we've seen to overlook the hard times. And they were at the Ravens. I, they've always been good since you know they came into the league twenty some odd years ago. Yeah. Um, and and for teams like the Packers, who've had thirty years of Hall of Fame quarterbacking, after going you know twenty years in the wilderness, yeah, it's going to be hard. That's going to be a, when Rodgers finally hangs it up. And I, as I've said many times, he's not going anywhere. But when he finally retires with one team, the Packers, his whole career after three or four more seasons, boy, are they in trouble. Boy, they, have they been spoiled? You know? <laughs> but maybe maybe that answers our question earlier about the Cowboys, why they get, you know, put up on this pedestal every year. And maybe it's because, you know, you see the you see the star on the silver helmet and you think of Roger Stallback. Uh right. you think of Tom Landry. Um, you think of um, you know, um my God, my Forgetting the him, you know, think of the names, the problem I can't remember the names, um, but um, all the all the the guys that were a part of their championship, sure, Ed Tutal Jones and Harvey Martin, Randy White, Tony Dorsett, Drew Pearson, all those guys that still give me nightmares. Yeah, and even I mean, look in the seventies, it was either Minnesota or it was Dallas that were going to the Super Bowl. Then you had a you know year there where the Skins went to the Super Bowl, but. For the most part, it was it was Minnesota and Dallas in the NFC. Yeah, and I'm um you know I can't believe like I said I'm sitting here and I'm like I'm totally uh I mean even like um you know Danny White and Troy Aikman of course I mean you know Troy and and that whole Irvin, crew yeah Smith, Irvin, like those the those triplets that, yeah those that, those teams were so dominant mm-hmm. you know even on the Switzer after um I can't think I can't remember I can't believe I can't remember the coach's name. Jimmy Johnson. Thank you very much. Oh my God. Maybe that's why I got... Jimmy Johnson's team. See here, see here, I'm having a brain fart and we're yelling at like Prescott making a, a stupid mistake or the officials and stuff. You know, we're all humans, right? And for yes, those moments, the imagine being in front of 70,000 people and then you have a brain fart. <laughs> but our brain farts aren't going to cost us a playoff win. You're right. And we don't get paid the money that they get paid either. Right. <laughs> All right, jump into your last, uh, your favorite game of the week here, and that's the Cardinals here. Uh, yeah. Um, and um, wow, what I mean, it, Monday it, night it, playoff football. Talk about looking out of sorts. Both Coach Klings, Klingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury, the dreamy Cliff Kingsbury, and Kyler Murray looked like this was their first playoff game. 
especially the coach. He looked completely lost and befuddled as he, you know, his team went down 34 to 11. Odd score there. Uh, we see with the Rams, um, you know, they've been kind of, as I said, both teams are moving in the wrong direction. Stafford had thrown seven interceptions in the last three games. And you started to wonder, the narrative on, on Stafford was that Detroit was holding him back. And then you see him this year, um, and you wonder, maybe it wasn't just Detroit. Maybe Stafford is not as good as people said, with his 0-3 record. Maybe he's not the, the the clutch performer that people thought he was. But in this game, now the team was as complete as it could be. Cam Akers came back, and so you had the good running back tandem of Akers and Sony Michelle. Um, Von Miller is finally uh, up to full speed now in the Rams' defense, and he and Aaron Donald wreaking havoc. He didn't have to do much. Stafford, I think he was 11-15 for 200 yards, a couple touchdowns, ran for a touchdown. Um, but he didn't have to do much. He just had to sit there and not mess up. And I'm not saying that's what his role is, but that's uh, we've we've been waiting to see how Matt Stafford would play when the Rams were at their full and complete best. Now they're still missing Robert Woods, but Van Jefferson has done a nice job of complimenting All World Cooper Cup on the other side. So they're pretty scary now. This is the scary Rams team that we thought we would see all year until, you know, their running back went down. Um, now, I don't know, will, will Matt Stafford turn into a pumpkin in the next game? Who knows? But this was as complete a Rams win, a complete dominating win over, obviously, a playoff team as we've seen all year. So the combination of the Rams being com- uh, the complete package and the Cardinals being totally overwhelmed for whatever reason. And that that play, that that Kyler Murray play where he was about to be sacked, by Troy Reader in the end zone. He just flipped the ball up in the air in the hopes of not taking a safety, which he would have because it was probably intentional grounding. For the two-yard pick six, the shortest pick six in playoff history, I could have turned the TV off at that point and said, all right, well, this game is over. Yeah. You just don't do that in the playoffs. You take the safety. Take the safety. If you know, I think two points, I'm no math major, but two points, not as bad as seven points. I don't know. Take the safety and then try to keep him out of the end zone after the free kick. But that was hard to watch if you're a Cardinals fan. <laughs> hard to watch. And then your question becomes, what about this guy? Kling- I keep calling him Klingsbury. Cliff, it's still a terrible name. Cliff Kingsbury. His job is um, is in trouble. I mean, obviously they're not going to move on from Kyler Murray. But oh, I think old. I'm going to call him Coach Klingsbury. Maybe That's in some good. trouble That's after this one. And if and, uh, he didn't look prepared, he didn't look prepared. I don't know. At this point, you know, like I said, this, should any of this uh, surprise us? I will uh, mm-hmm. point this note out. Uh, this was tweeted out after the Cardinals lost uh, and got eliminated here, uh, starting back when they were called the Chicago Cardinals back in 1947, Rob. Wow. They now own the longest active title drought. In sports, uh, especially here in North America. Um, after that are the the uh, forthcoming Cleveland Guardians, formerly known as the Cleveland Indians. Uh, yeah. Their last championship was in 1948. Right. And then the Sacramento Kings' last championship was 1951. When they were the Rochester Royals, right? Yes, correct. You are very good there, yes. And then uh, coming in, the good old blue and the white in the NHL, the Maple Leafs. Have not won a championship since 1967. 
That's worse than the Jets and worse yep. than the Mets. That's right. The Mets have two. Let's play two. Way to go, Carlos. Um, all right, should we look ahead to quickly look ahead to these weekend games, make our picks? Yes, but uh, please, first, please say uh, hello to our Sports Honcho listener live right now, Mr. Uh, Louis Rios, commenting here on the chat box here about uh, the NFL commentary we're making. So say hi to Louis. Hi, Louis. How are you? <laughs> Big Cowboys fan. Uh, I don't know how much you enjoyed the, the Cowboys well, I, segment. Well, but... here's a, I have a special musical tribute to Lewis and his cowboy fandom. Oh, man. Oh, I should have played this when we were talking about the past. Let's go back through the mists of time. When football was a simpler game. All that goes back the, of house. The Steelers and the Cowboys and the Dolphins, the Raiders, Vikings roam the earth like the dinosaurs. Lewis right. chimed in with a little ha-ha. He's, he's yeah. getting a kick out of your... Your chimes. Play the chimes one more time. Aikman goes back. The deep pass over. <laughs> All right, so uh, here we go, pal. The big games. All right. So, uh, so we'll take them in order. Saturday, Cincinnati at Tennessee. Um, Derrick Henry is back. Oh, wait, I'm ever. so sorry, Rob. Hold on a second. We have to do this since, I mean, all the other sports shows do this. We just, I just want to run down for everybody, too, uh, as far as the picks, because we're going to do it right. ne- again for this week, all right? So me and you both had the Bengals last week. Um, I took the Patriots. You took the Bills, okay? Uh, we both took the uh, the Bucks over the Eagles. I took, um, no, we both took the Niners over the Cowboys. Uh, both took the Chiefs. I took the Cardinals, and you took the Rams. So you got two wins up on me. So I got to come back right. next week. All, All right. right. Nice job. Nice job, me. Okay. Uh, Cincinnati, Tennessee, I just, I think the uh, the magic carpet ride is over for the Cincinnati Bengals, although I anticipate them being back again next year. Uh, one more year of experience under their belt. Uh, Tennessee at home, well-rested. Derrick Henry is back. That makes all the difference for this team. So I see uh, Tennessee beating Cincinnati, um, San Francisco at Green well, Bay. What about my pick? I don't count. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't think you were making a pick. I thought we were going to do a pick well, at the end. We're going game by game. So, oh, okay. So I'll take Tennessee. So will I. There you go. Moving on. Now we can move on. Yes. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Moving on to the next game. <laughs> it's perfect football music, don't you think? Emmett um, Smith crashes through the touchdown. San Francisco at Green Bay. Uh, I'm hoping this is a good game. These have been good games in the past when they played each other um, in the Matt LaFleur, Cal uh, Shanahan era. I don't know, though. It's just you wait for that crushing mistake to be made by Jimmy Garoppolo or some really questionable coaching by Cal um, Shanahan. So I, I hate to go with, you know, both number one seeds, both favorites, all chalk, but I don't see Green Bay losing this game. Not at home, not in seven-degree weather, not after two weeks off to prepare. All right, I'm going to take the Niners, baby. All right. You got the pack. Yep. I got the Niners. All right, Sunday, the first game is the Rams at the Bucks. I'm Here's where I'm going to really regret that I put my picks on, you know, recordable equipment. But I didn't like what I saw from Tampa after Warps went down. And as I said, they were they got to Tom Brady. The Eagles defense, which is pretty good, 
but not the Rams defense. And they're cooking on all we're cooking with. I almost said cooking on all cylinders. What's wrong with me today? Um, I just I don't I don't feel good about the Bucks. Oh come on already! Who are you Rams picking the Rams? Defense. You picking the Rams? I'm picking the Rams. Oh, that's my oh. upset pick. I'm, I'm sure it's going to blow up in my face. Fucking but just fucking procrastinating. Everything. Has Tom Brady I got the Bucks. Thank you. When he's in the face of a big pass rush, especially up the middle, which is where the Rams live, he's falling apart. And that's when I don't he was want to see that man. Rams logo one more week. Yeah, I, I see. Get it's rid hard, of him, Tom. It's hard to pick them because those uniforms are so god awful. And then uh, Buffalo at Kansas. So you've picked Tampa Bay, Buffalo at Kansas City. This is a hard one to pick. Kansas City's at home. Buffalo is playing. Is I mean, Definitely. they are they are playing football perfection right now. They are as good as they can possibly be. I got to go with Buffalo. Good, good, because I'm taking the Chiefs. I got to go with Buffalo. It's the last game. Hopefully, it's the best game of the weekend. I think that's going to be a close game. Now that I've said that, the Chiefs will get out to a 40 to nothing lead, and Josh Allen will turn into a pumpkin. But, I mean, I don't see Buffalo as just – they are running at peak efficiency right now. And I know it's in Kansas City. Which means nothing in playoff history prior to Mahomes. In terms of this, I don't know that it's going to make much of a difference. Um, I mean, just, you know, I think the only place where Buffalo lacks, I mean, obviously Josh Allen is a hair below Patrick Mahomes. I'll take Andy Reid over Sean McDermott in the battle of coaches. But after that, you know. Uh, I just see this two evenly matched teams. I just I love I love the role, the momentum that Buffalo's on. So I'm going to take Buffalo. Right? Did the uh, the Bills and the Chiefs play each other this year? Did they? I know they. I know this is a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game, which obviously the Chiefs won. I don't know. Did they play each other this year? Right, let's even disregard that. Let me ask you. As far as um, look, I mean, the Bills beating the Patriots at home. Patriots not being. All they've really been over the last few years, obviously, since the GOAT has left. Um, the Chiefs. Yes. We're going to crush these guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're just going to destroy them. I'm looking to see if They're they played. It's not even going to be a game. Destroyed them. Wow. Destroy oh, them. They did. Uh, the Bills won 38 to 20. Um, at home, the last time they played, I think it was it was in Kansas City, Ooh. but that was in Week Five. Now the the Chiefs were struggling back then. They were struggling. They, their defense was terrible at that point. They hadn't gotten their act together. Now it's a totally different team. I read nothing into that win, other than the Bills have been to Arrowhead and know they can win there, but it's not the same Chiefs team, not by a mile. I think uh, the Chiefs and, the, and and Mahomes here and and Reed and all this stuff. I I think they they might. They know with what's going to happen on the other side there with um, the Packers and, and the Buccaneers with the chance of maybe them possibly getting knocked out or whatever, we don't know. Um, right. You know, you look at – look, I'm not going to take anything away from the Bills here. I think it's going to be a great game. I really do. And I joke around. I'm, I, you know, to me, I just I just like the Chiefs here. I just like the chances, you know, but it, it probably will – I think we hope for a fun game here. Um but if the I, Chiefs I, can I, get past the Bills here, and and then that's really that's a really good game too. If the Titans get through too, I mean we're looking at the AFC here, and even if the Bills do BKC, 
Um, you know, with the Titans here getting a chance to, to get in. And if the Bengals get in too, Rob, it would it would really be a lot of fun as far as the championship game getting into, um, you know, getting into the dance here. So yeah, I, I there's, think there's no lose. team in the AFC. Um, I mean, I don't, I mean, Kansas City is now, they're going for their third straight Super Bowl. So if it's not Kansas City, any of those other teams would make it fun. Cincinnati being in the, in the Super Bowl, Tennessee, Buffalo, you know, Buffalo making a comeback. You know, after the four straight I'm sure, losses. I'm sure the NFL doesn't want Cincinnati, though. No, here's, <laughs> here's the, the nightmare scenario for uh, for the NFL, yes, is a Cincinnati-Buffalo <laughs> Super Bowl. Well, or a, so, I, or the since I'm sorry, not Cincinnati-Buffalo Super Bowl, a Cincinnati, uh, what, I guess a Cincinnati-Rams Super Bowl. I don't know they want that or a, I just think that I think uh, that's that's the nightmare scenario. A Cincinnati Rams Super Bowl, even though it's L.A., they just not. It's just not the sexy matchup they're looking for. Well, it'll be interesting uh, to say the least. There, so um, could be a Tampa. It could be a rematch. You'd very well have a Tampa Kansas City rematch. So, but I hope these games are better. Then super wild card weekend, but we have only three weekends of football left, my friend. I keep forgetting that's why you're so down these last. Super, I'm not down. Uh, I'm not. Are, this that's, is. I'm not exactly uh, you've, you've as I always am. You're not the same. No, you say that, but you're a dope. <laughs> <laughs> am I the dope of the week? You could be with oh. those comments. But All no. right. So no, good stuff. So just never to re- put my podcast spouse under that microscope well, thank you sir so just to uh review here uh rob has the uh, me and you both have the titans you got the pack i got the niners you got the rams i got the bucks you got the bills i got the chiefs so if i win all three i'll be i'll be one ahead of you uh going into uh you know championship weekend and if i lose i got no chance and uh maybe maybe on our last episode next week we'll find out what you'll win okay I'll win your undying respect and gratitude. All right, pal. Well, look, we didn't play this last week, but we're going to bring back the old... Wait. Keys, baby. What? Did I forget something? You, you were a little premature there. Well, I, I was just Well, you say, know, I'm sorry. When you get older, that happens, I know. Yeah. Um, I, just a couple quick hitters. Um, Mike Mayock, GM of the Raiders, was fired after three seasons. Um, and I only bring that up because if he's out, then that increases the likelihood that they'll clean house from the coaching staff as well. Um, so Rich Bisaccia, thanks for getting us to the playoffs. We hardly knew ye. Um, and Bart Scott recommended to Josh Allen, uh, to take Viagra before the game, uh, against the Patriots because he said, uh, Viagra, uh, gets the circulation going. And that's the best way to beat the cold weather is that's just made, to take that's made up, right? Viagra. That's made up. Is, he no, didn't really say that, did he? Bart Scott said, quote, take some Viagra before the game, baby. Scott said on ESPN's get up. That'll get the circulation going right. He said Viagra was a heart medicine, right? So it builds up circulation, which makes sure it gets circulation to the feet. Scott said, I swear I'm not trying to be funny. Hold on. Hold on. But yet. Hey, it's cold in Buffalo. Just take some Viagra. 
Yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah, that's just wanted to throw those couple of stories in there for you. And now we can move on. All right. I'd like to apologize to uh, the Honcho's fans out there for me uh, prematurely hitting the yeah. keyboards. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was just a little excited because we didn't do the keyboards last week. Yeah. And I was just excited to bring them back this week. Can I bring them back again? Sure. Okay. No, beast. Time to get back onto the ice. The hardwood. And maybe talk a little hardball? Well, there's no hardball going on. Here's your MLB uh, lockout update. They're still locked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, let's take a quick run around, see what's going on. Rob, put your hands together. No. No? Still not doing it? All right. Woo! So you want to talk a little puck? Sure. Go ahead. Is there anything uh, you want to get I, off your chest about the puck? No, I got nothing with the other sports right now. I got a couple of things on here, but in the interest of time, I'm going to save them for next week, except for the Ingleside Lakers update. All right, so look real quick on the hockey here. Um, they're um, looking like they're going forward here. Uh, most of the teams getting caught up. Uh, the Islanders and the Sens are the only two teams that have uh, – they've got 32 wins, and then – Pretty much the rest of the league is coasting, you know, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40 games. Uh, starting February 7th, which would have been the Olympic break, they're going to start making up, I believe, something like 95 games, Rob, in the two weeks' time. They're committed uh, to ending on time. Yes. Uh, as far as COVID, one of our favorite subjects here in the sports world. Uh, after the All-Star That's Game, which is going to be on February 5th in Las Vegas, ladies and gentlemen. Try and get out there if you can. They will go to. They're not going to test uh, any players who are asymptomatic. They don't have any uh, symptoms or anything, and they're going to do what the CDC says for all of us now: uh, five days of quarantine yep. and everything else. And the only where there might be only some testing after the All Star Game is when they got to go into Canada to cross border crossings. Uh, most of Western Canada has uh, brought fans back into the building. Uh, out here on the East Coast in Ontario, it's still limited, and I don't. I believe most of like the Sens, Toronto, Montreal. I don't think they have any home games coming up until the end of January. And uh, the trading deadline's coming up March twenty first. The end of the season is uh, April 29th, that weekend. So, looking forward to the league, Rob. At least starting to just push forward, and hopefully there won't be any more pauses and stoppages, and we can enjoy. Uh, the game on the ice like we always do as they try and finish this regular season, full regular season, uh, since two very unique COVID seasons uh, the past two. And they're going to use the uh, what would have been the Olympic break for the makeup games. Yes, I had mentioned that before. A lot of them. A lot of games. I didn't realize how many games they had to make up. I mentioned it too, 95, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just uh, uh, it kind of snuck up on me how many games were actually missed because of uh, COVID. It's a lot of rescheduling, man. Yeah. They're lucky well, the Stones aren't on tour. They got a lot of real estate there. Oh, don't worry. The Stones will always be on tour, even after they're dead. <laughs> all right. So there you go. Um, What's going on with the Ingleside Lakers, please? Um, all right. Well, they are currently, they're a solid 22 and 23. Yet again, they've given as many points as they've scored. Uh, but the big news is uh, that Russell Westbrook has been benched uh, and he's, going to stay on the bench not that he's not going to play but i don't think he's gonna be back in the starting lineup and this is frank vogel with his job on the line has gotten uh, approval from management with the lakers to make this move 
Which says to me that as much of a sourpuss as Russell Westbrook is, and as much of a malcontent as he can be, this is not going to make life any easier. And so this grand experiment of bringing together all these, you know, all the space cowboys for one more run at a title, it's, it's the wheels are falling off considerably. Um, it's a team where you sort of handpicked you know, players with big names, try to bring them all together to win a championship, you know, chemistry be damned, consistency be damned. Um, and it's just, it's not working. And I don't know how it can work. You know, you can't have all stars on a team. You got to have some uh, role players, some glue guys, as they say in the business. I mean, this, it, it sort of feels like this collection of Lakers, like the 2003, 2004 Lakers, where they brought in Carl Malone and Gary Payton at the end of their careers for one shot at a title. The difference here is that team also had Shaq and Kobe in their primes. And they made it to the NBA Finals, lost in five games to the Pistons. Malone missed half the season with an injury and then missed part of the playoffs, uh, part of the finals with an injury. But that experiment almost worked because instead of a bunch of guys past their prime and LeBron James, who will never be past his prime, he just keeps playing at a high level Leading at 100 years old. votes in the All-Star voting, by the way. Of course he does. It's a popularity contest. But that team... Two guys, two future Hall of Famers in their prime, and two future Hall of Famers at the end of their career. It's a better mix than a bunch of guys at the end of their career, all fighting for the ball, all fighting for minutes. And now you got, you've taken one of them and said, I'm going to park you on the bench with his gigantic salary that's almost impossible to move. So they've, they've already dug themselves quite a hole there in Los Angeles. Um, but we so love it, this looks like the championship. it looks like a seven or eight seed and out in the first round. Come on, have some unless have something some, happens. And let's not even talk about the one guy who's not a Methuselah, Anthony Davis, who has the body of a Methuselah because he can't stay healthy and stay. I don't even know who Methuselah Davis is. No way. I don't have a point of reference there. He's an old man. You can Google it. Methuselah, an ancient <laughs> person. The only Methuselah is Anthony Davis. And uh, how's uh, things going in Golden State Warriors? Everybody, oh, uh, that story, keeping, that's, keeping that's, that, that's a story we'll do, next, we'll do that next week. That's going to require, that, that's a big time discussion that you and I can have about hypocrisy in sports. That's going to take more than two minutes. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. So mm-hmm. next week, everyone, keep your ears peeled mm-hmm. or whatever body part you want to peel uh, for that story. It'll be a good one. It's another one where we yell and scream about why people suck. <laughs> And hypocrisy in sports, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite subjects. Mm-hmm. All right, um, baseball is still in the lockout. Yeah, there, I mean, again, there's your million. your lockout update. Yep. Hold on, <laughs> do we have lockout update music? Wait, I do. Hold on, ready? The millionaires and billionaires have still not come to an agreement. Right now, let's go live. Well, this is a Honcho's exclusive. Let's go live to the bargaining room where both sides are currently trying to end this lockout. All right, there you go. Going well. All right, uh, you want to talk about the um, Djokovic? Djokovic? I've got a little time and i got a little energy. That was in your quotes here, if we have time and energy permitting. Yeah, I just, you know. Give me me, uh, 18 words. 18 words? Australia had a law. Djokovic is a liar. Broke the law. He's out. Excellent. Bravo. Put some hit the cheers button there. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. That's the wrong one. There you go, Mr. Cutie. Thank you. Good job. Um, it's not I will in all seriousness, 
I mean, what's Australia supposed to do? They have a rule about people not being vaccinated coming into their country. He obviously wasn't vaccinated. He lied about his travel schedule. He didn't meet the real medical exemptions. And the person who's in charge of, you know, health and public safety in Australia said, you know, get out. Now, I don't know about deporting someone because he can't come back for three years. That might have been a stretch. But they did what they had to do. And and they didn't, you know, a lot of times we see rules being enforced against, you know, lower level players and players of no consequence. But he's, you know, the number, the draw. He's won, all, most of the majors he's won have been in Australia. And they said, sorry, you're done. Even though you're a big draw and people are going to want to come and see you break the record for the most majors, uh, you're out. Get vaccinated. You, you know, you don't want to get vaccinated, fine, but don't try to break the rules by coming into our country. So, not letting him play, whether I agree with the rule or not, it's a rule. They got to do what they got to do to keep their country safe. He wasn't complying. He got cooked. Now, the problem for him is when he goes to France or the French Open, I believe they had the same kind of restrictions. You can tell me what's, you know, in New York, um, you have to be vaccinated, right? Because Kyrie Irving can't play because he's not vaccinated. So I assume if he's going to play at the U.S. Open in New York without, a, without being vaccinated, he's not going to be able to do so. Correct? You so this could be a lost year for Novak. Novak D here is 34 years old. He's done. He's a has-been. Let it go. Well, well he's not a has-been. He's still, he's still winning. But every year that he loses, at this point in his career, it's, you know, it feels like five years. I mean, he's it takes him further and further away from winning that 21st uh, major. But also, everywhere he goes now, Are there riots in the he's the villain. Are there riots? Are there tennis riots in the streets? No, it's not a big issue then. Well, it's a big issue for you know people who like. Are there, are there, is there a march on Wimbledon? No, they're, they're much too they're much too polite and genteel for any sort of rioting and marching with their pinkies fully extended oh, on the man. grass courts of Wimbledon. It's just you know what? It's just this is just not a hill that seems to be worth dying on. This whole notion of uh, I'm not going to get vaccinated and i guess the, what's what's good is that people are sticking to their guns saying okay don't get vaccinated that's your choice yes but it has consequences choices have consequences and it's not just for you know not you know second tier players you're the biggest tennis star in the world you break the rules you're done that's it i have no problem with that we can argue whether the rule is a good rule or not but they have the rule everybody's got to adhere to we it. we don't have time to argue about it yeah we can talk in the second hour or the third hour of the sports Han shows. We'll talk about international law. That'll be the international law portion of the program. We've got time for one more thing, Rob, and we all know what that is. Are we ready? Oh, I'm ready. Cause it's time for the dope of the week. Dope of the week. That's awesome, dude. That's right, everyone. As you know, and I'm sure you can recite this verbatim, but the Gags Gang and I, you remember the Gags Gang, they, we spend countless hours each week in the basement of the Ghost Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner, and you can, for absolutely no reward, save for our undying respect and gratitude, help pilot the show by nominating your own Dope of the Week. Use the hashtag DOTW on Twitter, and who? We'll be carrying the mythical Sports Honchos Dope of the Week Cup around the ice rink of shame this week. That's right. It's Joe Thomas, former NFL All-Pro offensive lineman and current analyst on the NFL Network. Way to go, Joe! 
Uh, and before we go any further, let me just say one thing. I see you, Joy Reid, and I know what you did. <laughs> Bravo, my friend. That's a little inside baseball between Mr. Cuthbert and myself. Now, this past Sunday night's playoff game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers was in all likelihood Ben Roethlisberger's last game, as he is probably going to retire in the offseason. His next stop will be the Hall of Fame in Canton. Sadly, for Steeler Nation... The game ended in a 42-21 loss, although the Steelers managed to hang with the Chiefs for a bit. There was no score after the first quarter, and the Steelers even had a 7-0 lead in the second quarter. After that, it was all Chiefs. Once the game was over, everyone had nice things to say about old Big Ben on social media, on the talking head radio shows, network hits, etc. Current and former players and coaches and members of the media. The results of the game, the outcome of which was a foregone conclusion, were secondary to the conclusion of a great NFL career. Well... Guess who did not get the memo and who was absent the day they taught reading the room at professional broadcasting college? That's right, the aforementioned Joe Thomas. Now, I would understand if Joey T chose not to pile on the love fest for Roethlisberger and instead wanted to analyze the game in the aftermath on Sunday night. Instead, Thomas took to Twitter and laid out this gem, and I quote, At Steelers, congratulations on your playoff participation trophy. On Twitter, I replied that this his tweet was the most dickish and unnecessary tweet I have seen in a long time. Question, who the fuck is Joe Thomas? Now, I know Joe Thomas, the football player, but my point is, who is Joe Thomas to carry the mantle for the mouth-breathing trolls on social media? For those who are may not be aware, here is Joe Thomas's resume. 11 years with the Browns, 2007 to 2017, eight-time All-Pro, six first-team, two-second team, 10 Pro Bowls, member of the NFL's all-decade team for the 2010s, an NFL record 10,363 consecutive snaps to start his career. He did not miss a single snap from his first game in 2007 until his final season in 2017, allowed only 30 sacks in his career, playing left tackle. That is pretty impressive. And when he is eligible for the Hall in 2023, he may go in on the first ballot. In his post-playing career, Thomas has made a name for himself as an analyst on the NFL Network. As a respected and blue-checked member of the media, Thomas should be above trolling former rivals. There are plenty of knuckle-draggers on Twitter with no credentials who can do that for him. So I am baffled as to why Joe Thomas felt the need to wallow in the muck of social media. There are three reasons why this makes no sense. One, the Steelers are playing the Chiefs and not the Browns. The Browns are spending this year's playoffs on their collective tochim eating Cheetos off their chests. If Thomas had posted the same tweet last year, after the Browns eliminated the Steelers in the playoffs, then I could possibly understand why he would need feel the need to work the Steelers a bit. Two, the Steelers can be forgiven for going out early in the playoffs when they have six Lombardi trophies, two of which were won during Big Ben's tenure. And finally, reason number three, what would Joe Thomas know about the playoffs? This is pretty tough talk from a guy who has played in as many playoff games as Paul and I combined. Woo-hoo! So if you want to troll the Steelers, you need to have something to back it up. You need to have a little bit more gravitas. Here is, a, here is one of the great Steeler troll jobs ever by Steelers legend Rocky Blyer. Hit it. Here's my take on the Steelers. I'm done. I may rip my heart out. With the talent that they have, how can they lose three out of the last four games? Simple, 
concise and to the point. And what a voice. Here's my take on the Steelers. I'm done. <laughs> That's great. That's all that needs to be said. Now, if anyone has the right to troll the Steelers, it's Rocky Blyer. He played 11 seasons at running back with the Steelers. Then he decided to take a break from football and served in a little thing we like to call the Vietnam War. After his rookie year, where he won the Bronze Star and the Purple Heart, while serving in Vietnam, he suffered injuries to both legs that forced him out of the military and almost cost him his NFL career. After spending a year in injured reserve with the Steelers in 1970, where he learned to walk without pain, let alone uh, getting into football shape, Blyer returned to the field in 1971. He went on to win four Super Bowls and was He's a vital amazing. part of the Steeler dynasty in the 1970s. Amazing story. So, yeah, Blyer has earned the right to troll the Steelers. But here's the thing. The clip of Blyer was from a couple years ago after a frustrating regular season loss. Sunday's game was more about the end of an era as opposed to the Chiefs moving on the playoffs. It was a time for celebration, for tribute, for huzzahs. The Steelers were double-digit underdogs to the Chiefs and were lucky to be in the playoffs. Calling out the Steelers for losing is missing the point. The day was about Roethlisberger's achievements and not about Joe Thomas practicing for the next open mic night at the Chuckle Hut. Now, before we sign off, because we like to be fair and balanced here on the Honchos, we are going to play for you a Sports Honchos exclusive. An exclusive, mind you. This is Big Ben's response when he heard Joe Thomas's tweet. Hit it. On his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood... Sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah. Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? So, Joe Thomas, for not knowing how to read a room you spent 11 years in at the highest level, for having the comic timing of an undertaker, and for proving once again that tricks and Twitter are still for kids, you are the Sports Honcho's Dope of the Week. Congrats, Joe. Your certificate is in the mail. Way to go, Joe! Oh, man. I have completely forgot about that Chevy Chase clip. That is fan-fucking-tastic. Well, that wasn't Chevy Chase. That was Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> responding to Joe Thomas's tweet. Uh, it sounded like more than, uh, what is it, 164 characters or whatever that is you get on well, Twitter. Yeah, that's why he recorded it instead of trying to post on Twitter. Oh, not man. quite as not quite as articulate as, here's my take on the Steelers. I'm done. Yeah. But still what gets a story the point. about Rocky Blyer, man. Oh, yeah, I mean, some... Jesus Christ, folks, don't fucking complain about shit. I mean, sir, he Vietnam. Was... Served a year. He played his rookie me. season in Pittsburgh. Then he got drafted. kidding me? Went to Vietnam. He got shot in the leg, in his left leg. And then while he was on the ground, there was a grenade that landed a couple feet from him that I think he tried to clear out. It blew up, got shrapnel in his leg, um, so in his right leg. So he almost lost the right leg from the shrapnel. And then when he got back, when he was honorably discharged because he couldn't serve anymore because of the damage to his legs, he couldn't walk without being in pain. And yet the Steelers still, you know, brought him back and put him on injured reserve, let him try to work his way back. Got cut from the Steelers a couple times. Then he comes back and he's a vital part, you know, of that Steeler dynasty in the backfield with Franco Harris. 
you know, 1976, the two of them rushed for a thousand yards. So you go from almost losing your leg to rushing for a thousand yards and winning Super Bowl champions, and winning four Super Bowls. It's incredible. And I realize if you ask him, he'll say that winning the bronze star and the purple heart were obviously more important. Um, but you know, here's you a guy right there in the definition. Of, yeah. You know, this survived, many... survived the Don't war. Quit. He's, that's just talking about a guy. Who doesn't that's feel a real pressure. American story. Yep. No, Thanks they actually made, they made a movie about it in the 1980s with Robert Urich as Rocky Blyer. I believe I remember that. The late great Robert Urich. All right, so. buddy. Great episode. Thursday night live, which yep. should have been on Wednesday, but it wasn't. And we move on. I want to thank everybody as always. For tuning in, Lou from Long Island. First time, long time. All good stuff. <laughs> Mr. Cuny, play us out here. Say goodbye to the folks. Oh, sorry. Uh, hold on. Let me give you some goodbye music. All right, everybody. Uh, it was another great episode. Thank you, as always, for listening, subscribing, following, posting, saying all kinds of nice things about us. We appreciate you. We love you. We don't have a show without you all um if you see willie mays or any member of his family please give them a hug give them a warm loving embrace tell them to look both ways crossing the street uh gonna be a busy weekend maybe some snow where you are so stay safe stay inside stay warm give each other a hug nice to each other as always there you go folks as always follow us everywhere at sports honchos say hi to us on the twitter we love you guys Sportsancho's out! Wow, we might actually make it episode 50, Rob! Good night, buddy! Woohoo! Nice! The Sportsancho's can also be found on the Dean Blundell Network.